Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Off the Shelf. Happy bank holiday. I hope you're having a lovely long weekend. So this week's guest is a bit of an enigma. She's written cross-genre. My guest this week is Lynette Creswell. She was born in London but raised in Burnley, Lancashire. She has a passion for reading and started writing once she began school. Her first novel, Sinners of Magic, won her acclaim and soon turned into a trilogy. And you'll hear us discuss that novel when we begin, and it's a fantasy novel. Later this year, she's breaking out of her comfort zone with the release of a new children's book. Hoglet's Christmas Magic is dead. It's a delightful tale starring two adorable hedgehogs. I can't wait for us to speak to Lynette. She had some really interesting things to say about writing cross-genre and coming to writing professionally later in life. I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to Lynette. Hi, how are you doing? Hi, I'm doing really well, thank you. Thanks for inviting me today. You're very welcome. It's lovely to have you. You're a bit of a... um, not anomaly, but my my first guest has written children's books. No, it's strange because when I first started, I obviously did fantasy books, mm. and then I kind of did some romance, and now I've turned my hand at doing um, children's books. So yeah, it's so it's kind of a, a first for me too. Yeah, so you've kind of moved across to genre, as it were. What? Uh, let's start at the beginning. So, what first prompted you to think? I'm going to sit down and write a fantasy book. Okay. So initially I've always loved fantasy books um, from being a really young kid. Um, One of my favourite books that I talk about later on was a fantasy. Um, And I think as I grew up, I still had that vision of holding on to the the fantasy. So as my children were growing up, when they were little, I used to do little stories about them and they used to love that. And then as they got older... Yeah, it, it was. And he's put their names in the stories. So it was kind of personal. And, they, you know, they, they did. They really loved it. And then my friends was kind of saying, oh, can you do one for me, please? Because, you know, I want one for my child. And we really love this story. And, and that's how it kind of started. And then my husband said to me, I think it's time now the children are leaving home that you write something a little bit more substantial. So I was like, oh, yeah, I'll write a book one day, you know, one of those sort of things. And obviously I had a big family, so it was hard for me to even think about it. But my husband was really behind me saying, no, come on, you've really got to do this book. And then I think I had maybe two children left because at that time we had we had I have six, six sons. So you might see the picture of my head. (laughs) Yeah, that that's my they're not children anymore, but um, they were. So I, I maybe had about two children left at home, which was a doddle for me. Um, and he went out and bought me my very first laptop and came home and said, right, got no excuse now. There you go, get writing. So I was like a bit stumped, really. I was like, OK. Um, and that's how it kind of started. Um, I started writing my first... Um, I, I already knew kind of what I wanted to do. I think so. I was like realms and, and magic and witches and things. So I wanted to kind of, but I had this one fixation of a story in my head that I wanted to get down on paper. Um, and it took a long time, actually, because as a new writer, I wasn't part of any groups. I didn't know anything about the world because you're going probably back to about when I started writing, maybe 2010. So things weren't quite as fast moving as they are now with Kindle and all that, you know, it was it was completely different. So I didn't know 
where my journey was going to go or what was going to happen. Um, and it was it it was quite a journey, I have to say. Um, I managed to get a publisher, which was great. And then they went into um, administration. So I was totally devastated because by that time, it had been like two or three years before I'd actually managed to finish the book and get a, a publisher. So I was pretty devastated. Um, and that was one of the reasons why I started off as a self-published author, because I was so fed up of having this book sitting there and I wanted it to go out into the big wide world. Um, but also it did play a kind of strength to me because so many people had heard about this book. That, and so many people kind of wanted to read it. I think they were really sick to death of hearing this book was coming, it was coming, then it never turned up. And then eventually, surprise, um, Sinners of Magic, which is the first, first book, suddenly there it was. Um, and so I think because it had taken so long, so many people already knew about it before it was even born. So therefore, it did amazingly well much better than I expected as a first-time writer who had no contacts at that time. It was in, absolutely incredible, absolutely incredible. Um, but the thing, the power of Facebook then uh, was a lot yeah. better than it is now. The algorithms and everything that you're not allowed to do and you can't post, you can't do this. And, you know, back then it was a lot more easier um, to spread yourself um, to a lot more people. So that's how I got started and that's how my first book happened. Um, but when I finished that book, they, everyone was saying, oh, we love your story. You can't leave it from there. So they, it actually ended up as a trilogy. Mm. So it ended up the magic trilogy. So that's how I ended up starting my writing as a, a YA writer in fantasy. And then from there, you moved into romance. Yeah, well, I, I wrote another book, my fourth book, from one of the characters. In, there was a Windigo, which is a shape changer. And they are timber wolves at night and like a Yeti type thing um during the day and people loved him so much that they said oh please write about this guy and that's what I did so I wrote four fantasy books all together but by that time I, I so didn't want to just be so essentially you fan fictioned your own work yeah I, I did I did what my what my actual fans wanted to do yeah. um but then I didn't want to then be stuck in one genre. I wanted to be, you know, a multi-genre. I wanted to do a bit of everything. And that's the beauty of being um, a self-published author. You're not stuck with one publisher saying, I want this book out, you know, or two more books out in two years of this. I was still free to do what I wanted to do, which was great. So because a lot by then, a lot of the people had grown up, um, a lot of their mums were sort of saying, well, what about us? You know, you've done the younger people. What about, what about something for us mums and so I thought well yeah I quite fancy doing a little bit of romance a bit of dabbling I'm not quite sure how it's going to go um so I did I did two romance novels um and again they did really well um quite by surprise really because I wasn't quite sure because like you say when you're flipping from one genre to another it's quite dangerous yeah, because well, it's very rare have, I don't know many people yeah. or even know of many people that have done that yeah. yeah, and it's, it's a bit like um, J.K. Rowling when she did The Casual Vacancy. Mm. She flipped over to something completely different and then she got slated for it, you know, because people didn't want her to write anything else other than Harry Potter. And that was why she, had, you know, she changed the name and, and did yeah. The Cuckoo's Calling. Yeah. And then they were kind of, I think by that time, they kind of accepted that she wanted to do something else. Mm. Um, so it is hard for authors sometimes. And that's why there is a lot of pseudonyms and having to do a pen name because it's it's kind of safer to do that without your actual fan base, you know, kicking off at you because you're not writing what they want you to write. Mm. But I was just ready to say, no, I don't, I want to be, you know, a multi, um, multi-genre author. 
And so far it, it has worked to my advantage, thankfully. Um, and that's why, but the story behind the new book, The Hoglet's Christmas Magic, every year I've always given a free story on my blog to say thank you to my, to my readers for supporting me and everything. It's it's always been just a basic story, a few pictures and everything, um, but it's always gone down really, really well. Mm-hmm. And people always send me photographs of their children reading the story on Christmas Eve and things like this, oh, which so just nice. I absolutely adore, absolutely. And it just, it just makes me go all gooey inside. It's just wonderful. Um, and so the Hoglets were actually the story one of one year that I put up as a free story thought nothing more about it and then all of a sudden it just really really just kicked off um and it was amazing that thousands of people were downloading it within like 24 hours it was just more and more and more people um and I'll always remember looking on my stats and there was this one little place called Butan I remember at the time I didn't know where Butan was I thought I wonder where no, that I didn't is. Know. I googled it and so, and it's actually a tiny little kingdom in the middle of the Himalayas. And somebody was reading Hoglet's Christmas Magic, and it's between India. I can't remember where the other country is now, but it there in the Himalayas, somebody was there reading my story, which was just amazing, just phenomenal that it had reached so far. And then I got readers and mums and dads emailing me saying, when's this going to be a book? When's this going to be a book? And I was like, no, it's just a free story. You know, I just like... No, no, we want this. You know, we can see the, the 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 little characters, and we love them. And I'm like, nah, it's just a free story. But do you know what? It just would not go away. You know, it's because it's it's a good two three years ago. It just would not go away. And more and more people saw it on the blog and kept saying to me, oh, this would make a great book. And in the end, my friend who's another writer, said to me, you're just going to have to do something. You know, yeah. look at the potential that you've got. Everyone loves your little hoglets. Come on, let's do it. And so I decided, yeah, that it's time to do it. So that's how it kind of came around. And for those that don't know, it's a, an illustrated children's book. So do you do the illustrations yourself or do you work with somebody no, else? I, yeah, I actually um, am working with a Italian illustrator. Um, and his name is, because I could never pronounce it, it's Doriano Strogologo, and he's just the most amazing guy. And considering he can't speak very good English and I can't speak any Italian whatsoever, I think we did a pretty amazing job. Yeah, you, know, you, it's, you can't tell. It's just fantastic. But he read the story and we were just on the same page. He just knew instantly what I wanted. Yeah, because so you that's don't what need that Mm. Yeah. Normally you're just like, you're looking, you're like, no, that's not the kind of image that I'm looking for. But he just seemed to know what, what I wanted out of the story. Yeah. In, so we didn't have any fisticuffs or blows over images because it was just like, just perfect, you know, absolutely wonderful. Yeah. He was so easy to work with, such a nice guy. Um, and we were a really good team. So if there's anything I wanted to change, he, he did it, you know, he gave me little ideas, what I thought maybe I needed. Um, and it just, it's just phenomenal. The pictures are so beautiful. They're so cute. The vibrant I want them. I want to have I them. <laughs> I mean, look, look, just so. It's so I mean, you, you ought to have seen it. And obviously, it's people can't see, but look at the. It's just beautiful. What he's done is just, yeah. it's just phenomenal. So, it, the hoglets have now will be born on Saturday, the twenty eighth of August. Um, so, so, so not well, long to go is- now. So for listeners' benefit, we're recording this on the 28th. So that's actually in two days' time. Are you going to have a yeah. big party? That's the important question. 
Well, um, I'm not quite sure what I'm going to do because, to be honest, I think I could sleep for a week. It's been so full on already. Absolutely. Yesterday, I had my um, cover reveal and we had a bit of a launch party yesterday. So that was absolutely amazing, but just so, so tiring. Mm. And But it was just, you, you literally, the adrenaline's going, you're buzzing. It's, it's brilliant. And people yeah. just seem to just be, just take the little hoglets into their hearts and we're just really just wanting to sign copies and where to get the book from and you know oh it's just fantastic so yeah it's it's been great so by the time Saturday comes I think I'll probably like comatose in bed or something just trying to catch up yeah, oh, like, I need a break having a lie-in yeah lying yeah in having a lie-in it so won't. in terms of your writing schedule do you um do you kind of do you write all day in the evenings in the mornings where do you find inspiration strikes you it's quite weird because I do actually work full time at the moment. Um, I work at um, a hospital, um, so it is quite difficult, but it's it's only for two more years. And then hopefully I'll be able to take early retirement. So this is what I'm doing at the moment. I'm trying to get it all, to, all together, get all the money in the pot so that I can retire and write full time. Um, so it, it is hard. I do have a Wednesday afternoon off, which is supposed to be my protected writing time. But then normally my sons or their wives or my grandchildren turn up because they know that I'm home. So it makes it even harder. Yeah. Um, so I have to grab it as and when I can. And it really is grabbing it unless I kind of say, right, I'm, I'm at a certain stage of this book that I really need to concentrate now. Um, then it is here and there. I tend to go to work early in the morning, an hour early, so I can go and sit there quietly at work with no one around me and try and get a little bit of work done. Um, excuse me. And that's normally how I will do it. My husband works every other weekend, which is great. So that if he's at work, it means I get the Saturday to myself to write. Yeah. So it is it is stealing time. It is really, and it's always kind of been like that. I don't get any set times or anything like that. I just have to find what time I've got that nothing is actually on and then just think, right, I'm going to do some writing on this time. And it's always worked, considering how little time I have. It has worked when I'm doing my short stories or anything like that. That's how I do it. Well, I was going to say six sons plus a full-time job plus a husband plus just generally like lifing. Yeah, you must have no free time. Um, but yeah, no, that's really no. interesting that you do it early in the morning. I've had some guests come mm-hmm. on and say morning and some say late in the evening. But the consensus does seem to be morning because your brain is f- fresh. And when you sit down to write, yeah. do you have, have you plotted in advance or do you just write and see what happens? A bit of both, really. Sometimes when I'm asleep, my brain does not shut down and it's actually running through the story. That's why I'm also tired because I can't seem to, whatever story I, I, I'm doing at that time, I'm besotted by it and I'm, I cannot let things go. So I will supposedly be asleep, but I know that I'm running things through my mind. And then suddenly I'll have some sort of inspirational moment, light bulb moment at two o'clock in the morning. And I'll just go, oh, right, yeah, I forgot this or, or this would be great for a character. Or if I just do that, it'd be a real twist. So yeah. I wake up and I, I know a lot of other people do that. I do have pen and paper by my bed and then I'll just scroll something down and hope to God that I can read it the next morning just so that I know. And then hopefully I'll go back to sleep and then carry on. So I do tend to do that. But also sometimes when I'm writing a story, I'm not quite sure where it's going to go. And that was even for the hoglets. I wasn't sure. I just wanted to write a Christmas story about two little hoglets. I wasn't sure where I wanted to go with it, but Santa was going to be in it somewhere. Mm. And so I wrote it and didn't like it. So then I rewrote it 
and then I did a little bit more and then eventually it starts to come where you think ah yeah a little bit of inspiration where yeah let's you know maybe they meet Santa well why do they meet Santa what's going to happen in a wood you yeah. know why would he be there on Christmas Eve well you've got to think of something so you kind of pose questions to yourself and you've got to answer those questions and then that's the good thing because then you can then think well that's why he's there so then obviously you can carry on with the story so then you've got to move the story to how they meet him and what happens when they meet him and why they meet him so that's kind of how I kind of work sometimes I do plot the stories but I find I have much more fun if I just see where they go and just with those little threads of information that I need to get from A to B each time and then I go back and rework on it until it's actually you know something that's half decent and then work on it another for god knows how long like everyone else for months months and months yeah and by the end you're sick of the sight of it but um absolutely they just don't want to read it anymore but moving on from that to things you love to read so tell us about the first book you've chosen and why you've chosen it okay so I've gone back to like the very first adult book I ever read because it's just stayed with me all throughout my life and if anybody ever asks me what book it is this is the one and my first book is actually Lady of Hay from Barbara Erskine I don't know if you've ever heard. No, I'm not familiar. I'm not familiar. I I love history, believe it or not. Absolutely love history. Period dramas, going back to even just the the Victorian era. I absolutely love the past. So that was kind of the taste of it. So what happens is um, it's modern day and she's a journalist. um, And what she's happening is she's got plans to debunk the beliefs of past lives of um, a hard-hitting magazine piece. But her scepticism is actually shaken when a hypnotist forces her to relive her experiences, Matilda, Lady of Hay. Um, And she turned out to be this noble woman during the reign of King John. And what happens... Like Robin Hood, medieval kind of vibes. Yeah. yeah. So you've got, you've got you've got kind of, you know, she, you, you go with her on the journey of when she goes, when she's hypnotized and she's reliving this life of, as Lady Matilda on all the things that she sees, you know, all the. But what is really interesting, what I loved is that the betrayal and the treachery that you see during that time actually follows her is actually happening in her. Uh, well, it's the 20th century then 20th century. Mm. So all the characters that she meets there are actually in her life now. So and so it's quite interesting to have that balance of the fact that those people are always with you so that no yeah. matter where you are, yeah. you, you will still meet the same people. They will always be in your life. It's whether or not how you can change what happens to you. So I absolutely adored that book. I think I adored her description of the castles and, you know, all the feasts the fact that they then would swap over to present day and you'd see her normal life. And it was just a brilliant book. I just absolutely, of all uh, Barbara's books, I absolutely love that the most. So that will always be my number one book. And I hope you don't mind me saying, but um, you're a bit older than me, shall we say. Um, So when you say this was the first adult book you read, when you read it, Mm. was it new then or was it an old book then? I think it was her uh, debut book. And Barbara Elskin's written quite a few. Um, yes, I am quite older than you. And I think I would probably be about, I'm not sure, to be honest, between 16 and 19, maybe. Mm. So it's been out a long time. I think it's had like its 25th year of being published, something oh, like really? that. It's been out okay. a lot yet. It's, it's, you know, it's an oldie book, if you like. And maybe younger people today wouldn't enjoy it the same as I did back then. Because mm. obviously there's, you know, but it's still in my heart. I still love 
because yeah. I think it was cleverly written. I think it was, you know, I loved all her description um, of what was happening. And so it will always be one of my favourite books. Oh, that sounds so nice. I loved, I loved yeah. sometimes when you read a book and it just stays with you. I think that's so lovely. Yeah. I think as, as an author, that's really what you're trying to do. You're trying to write a book that stays with people. So moving on uh, to your second book, please tell us which book you've chosen and why. The one, the next one was my favourite book as a child. Yeah. Yeah. Now that will always be um, The Faraway Tree by Enid Blyton. Oh, yes, I remember this. I had this. Yeah. Yeah. And so many people can resonate with this. Whenever, I I, I think I I have it on one of my bios somewhere. And the amount of people that have contacted me and said, oh, that book, same with me. Absolutely loved it as a child. And it was just such a lovely, lovely story of these little characters that, you know, these three children find the wood and then they go up the faraway tree and there's a big cloud. And every time they go in it with, I think it was Moonface and Silky, oh, they would find a different land. Yeah, Moonface. And it was just beautiful stories. And I remember I wanted a pony so badly as a child, like so many other little girls. Oh, I desperately wanted a pony. And I remember them going up to this world and she and one of the little girls got a pony. And I'm like, I want to go to that world. I want to be in mm. that book. I, you know, I want to go and get my own pony. And she gets to take it home and everything. And, and for me at that time, I was thinking, oh, that's so wonderful. And I think I wanted to write a book when I got older so that someone would feel the same way when they read it, that they want to be there and be part of that story, which is clearly what I want to do as a little girl. Yeah. So that's why I'll always love it. And as we've touched on before, we have a bit of an age gap. But I actually think that's in this example, that's such a testament to Enid Blyton's writing that mm-hmm. you enjoyed it as a child and I enjoyed it as a child. And I'm sure there are children now who are who are still enjoying it. But no. it's, it's, it is a classic. It really is. Same as far, I think there was the uh, wishing chair and the wishing chair again. You know, she, she wrote amazing books, children's books. She's I know this. Well, yeah. Yes, there's controversy now over some of her writing. Um, however, we have to look back on, to, on the time of what was appropriate at that time. But I know it, it's, it's causing massive debates, you know, which is quite surprising over books which were written so long ago. I suppose you could get away with a lot more things than you can now, obviously. Um, and there was no political correctness, I suppose. But now people are spotting things that actually were quite bad at that time. But... As children, they went over our heads. We did yeah. not see anything like that, you know, because it's the innocence of a child rather than, you know, an adult's reading them. Yeah. Um, but I will always love that book, always. It's just just an amazing book. That, so that was my number two. Yeah, that's such a throwback to me. I haven't thought about that book in years, but as soon as you said the name, I was like, oh, my God, I had that book. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. My, it was on a shelf at my grandma's, so that would have been her children would have read uh, it. I've read it. And I was um, one of the older grandchildren. So there would be lots of people below me that have also read it. How interesting. Yeah. So yes. Tell us about the third book you've chosen and why you've chosen it. Okay. So the third book is, is basically the first book that I remember reading. I can't remember who wrote it, but everyone's going to know this one. And that was The Elves and the Shoemaker. Do you, Ooh, did you yes, ever no, read I that? Don't know yes. who wrote that? I don't know who wrote that. I've heard of the no, story. It, everyone has, but I don't know who wrote it. Yeah, I can't remember. I don't know if it was one of Han Christian Handerson's books or, you know, because it was the old Ladybird books that you used to get with the hardback. Yes, I am sure my age. Mm. Absolutely. And again, I think I loved it because it was the fantasy aspect of it. 
I loved these little elves, these tiny little mm -hmm. people that came into the workshop. But also, I think the message of them doing a good thing for someone, you know, yeah. he, this poor guy was had gone on hard times. He couldn't make his shoes. These adorable little people came in and they made him shoes, the shoes for him so that he could eat and have. And I think the message in that story was absolutely was just so lovely. And as a child, I just adored that story, adored it. And, and I remember reading it with my grandma because I was raised with my grandparents. I remember reading it with my, gran with my grandma and just loving the fact that it made us kind of bond too because I think we were sort of, she was trying to say to me the message that was in the story. Mm. And I remember listening to her and going, you know, I want to be like that. I want to help people. I want to be nice. I want to be able to do something for someone. So I think from a very early age, that kind of sowed the seed of, yeah. of looking after people and being being good, if you if you will. So, yeah, I think it did have a knock-on effect on that for me, just that simple little book. And I think that's the message with books, is that it actually can change people. I remember um, when I wrote um, about the Windigo, when I wrote, um, it's called Clump, because um, that's the character's name. And I remember a lady contacting me, bearing in mind that this story was about a, a monster that is different from his own people. He's not the same. They all eat meat and he's a vegetarian mm. and he, he ends up ostracized from his family and he ends up going on this amazing adventure because he's different. But a lady um, actually emailed me to say that that book had changed her son's life. Really? And I was like, really? Yeah, completely thrown. It turned out that this, this young man was gay and he had read the book and he had then obviously resonated with the character of how he had suffered and the fact that he had been thrown out of his own family and he'd had to go out into a wide world. But it had come right in the end. And she said that book has literally changed his life, his perception on how things are, the fact that things can be hard sometimes. Mm. But if you believe and be true to yourself, it will come right in the end. And she said he's a completely different person. And whenever I think of that, I still got all goose pimply now to think that my writing has done that for someone yeah. has, has made That's them believe in themselves. That's, it's lovely. And I'll always be grateful. I'm so grateful for his mum to, to write to tell me because I would never have thought of a fantasy book about a, a Windigo yeah. being able to help someone here. So yeah, it was your writing had, can writing can do amazing things for people. And I think a lot of people forget them. No, I so think that as well. I think, you, and sometimes people don't realise it until they read something that does, that really resonates them on a, on a not yeah. just, oh, that could have happened to me, but like they see themselves in one yeah. of the characters or the storyline. No, I, I do agree. So moving yeah. on to the fourth book you've chosen. Okay, so the fourth book, um, they're all kind of, Thing is, this one is Scrooge by Charles Dickens. Oh, I absolutely love this book. I've got a second edition of it. I wish it was first, um, but I absolutely love it. And the problem is, I love it so much that I've got Scrooge things everywhere. If there's ever a movie, ever a different version of Scrooge, anything about Scrooge, I have to watch it or I have to read it. My husband just just rolls his eye and goes, "Oh my God, not another Scrooge!" You know, I've got I've even got a plate um, in my living room with Scrooge on it. I just love the story. I think Charles Dickens just just a perfect Christmas story. You know, of yet yeah, again. Mom, yeah, my mom's exactly the same. Every year we have to watch yeah. Christmas Carol, and if there's ever like a new yeah. of it, we have to see it. And we've been to see it in a play form at one point. Yeah, she loves it too. Yeah. 
it's just I don't know why it's just one of those stories again magical um from going from bad to to good it shows that transition of how something can change your life mm. and how you think of something again I think as a child watching that to see someone go from being a Scrooge and how evil he was and didn't care to suddenly you know being given a second chance of life to go out and make something of himself and make the difference to other people because he could um it's a beautiful story beautifully written you know how he he's just amazing I, I really love the story I think everyone should read Scrooge I think it's a perfect Christmas story too to snuggle by the fire with your hot chocolate you know and and sit and read Scrooge oh beautiful story so that's my um fourth story and if you I mean this is not kind of cheating this is the book podcast but do you have a favorite adaption of Scrooge um, oh, it's, it is hard. There's, I can't remember what the, there's, see, I do love Muppets Christmas Carol. Oh, I lo- yeah, that's I, definitely my favourite one. It's just fabulous. If you don't like that, like, what's wrong with you? Because it's just, <laughs> it's just such a feel-good, happy, yeah. Christmassy, get in the spirit. If you don't like it, you are a Scrooge. That's why I say it. Did I say that out loud? Whoops. Um, but I do love the original, um, it's, can't remember what it is, but there's a 1970s one because I remember the, the guy where he's, he's dancing on the top of the coffin and he's singing, thank you very much. That's the nicest thing that everyone's ever done for me. And that version, I absolutely love too. Wow, so I can't remember. Interesting. Yeah, I can't remember which one it is now. I'll have to find it for you and, and send you a link or something. But I I, I do. There's, there's quite, that. those three are kind of my favourites. The original one, the black and white one that they've done. Um and I, I can see his face and I can't think what he's called. Never mind, anyway. But, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really like the modern type ones, but I do like the oldies. I think they're just, they're just crackers. They really are. You can't beat them, can you? No, you, you can't. To be fair, you can't beat Dickens for writing. And it's just no. such... I think it's one of his... There are some Dickens novels that I don't think transfer very well to screen, but that mm-hmm. is one that transfers really, really well. And obviously you're throwing some Muppets, throwing some songs and it's, it's fantastic. Um, Absolutely. Moving on to the final book you've chosen. Okay, so the final book, um, again, this is another old one. I, I did, well, I was toying between two. So I've got Me Before You by Jojo Moyes, which I absolutely love. Great. Um, but the, it's, that is, again, that's just a fabulous. I think I always go for the kind of, you know, goody can. But this one, I think, which I wrote down first, it's now called Outlander by Diane Gabaldon, but it used yes. to be called Cross Stitch. Yeah. See, I, uh, with I think they turn that, yeah, did they turn that into the series. a series? Yeah, I've seen that. They have. I think there's like, I am absolutely obsessed with Jamie Fraser. Absolutely loved him when I read the book when I was a young girl. Still love it, it now. When I found out that there was a series, well, my goodness, you know, it's like, whoa. And then when I saw who was playing it, well, yes, definitely fell in love with him then. Um, the series is brilliant. And it's about when a woman, it's just after the war, and she's trying to rekindle her, her passion with her husband. They haven't seen each other for five years. And they go up to Scotland um, for a little mini holiday. And there's like a little tiny little Stonehenge there. Um, mm. I think it's called Craig Madude. And basically she goes up there on her own to pick some flowers because she's a herbalist as well as she's been a nurse for the last five years working um, during the war. And she goes, ends up going through the stones into 1745, I think it is, something like that, mm. uh, when the Jacobite Rising is on. Um, so it's just phenomenal how 
she survives and ends up meeting Jamie Fraser, who's the guy. He's dislocated his shoulder, and the way they were just about to do it, they would have literally, he would have been, um, his arm would have been broken first with life. So, of course, she saves him. So they kind of think, wonder whether she's a witch or not. Um, she's trying to obviously get back all the time, but without giving away that she's from the future. So brilliant. The series is brilliant, um, and the books were just wonderful. Um very much she she had done so much again because it's probably because it's historical um she'd done a lot of her homework i mean now i mean the books are huge i mean this would just not sell now this is uh dragonfly and amber which i'm not sure if that's the second or third book um that it would quite be chunky edited. yeah yeah it would be edited now there's, there's far too much in it you don't need that much um however the stories are just fantastic she's got a huge fan base and the series is wonderful, especially the first series. I absolutely, I loved it being in Scotland. You know, you, you saw all the lairds or how they were living in that day, hard life that they have, but also what she brings to the table by being a nurse and saving them. And at the same time, I think she ends up, well, she does she end up having to marry Jamie Fraser to save her life, you know, and she's still got this husband back there. And then um, it turns out that his ancestor is actually in 1745. He's an absolute double of a husband, but he's the most evil man you've ever met. Oh, oh. absolutely. He's shocked. Oh, it's shocking. We've got to be wary of handsome men. That's the number one oh. rule of historical books. Oh. Honestly, honestly. But he is evil, absolutely. So if you want a really good series, watch Outlander, because it's mm. fabulous. If you love history and love that kind of, you know, time travel thing, mm. it's really, really good. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, like I said, I've... It's very well known. I've seen it all over Instagram, but I've never actually watched it. So maybe I yeah. should. So of the yeah. five books that you've chosen, which one's your favourite? Your number one, Desert Island. <sighs> can only read one book. Can only read one book. Yeah. I think it would have to be, oh, I don't know. I think it would have to be, I'd go for Outlander. Is that just because the for- books are very long? <laughs> It's, I think it's just because I love Jamie Fraser so much. Mm. <laughs> I really do. It's just like you fight to the death for his woman, you know, he's, he's loyal and he's fierce, you know, and he's, he's a man's man. And I think that's what I love about him, the fact that you can trust him, you know, he'd be there by his side, that no one would get past him. He's just a brilliant ca- character. I think what every woman kind of, well, I know I do anyway, kind of guy that you'd be looking for. Um, and that's why. So I think, yeah, I think I'd go for that. I'd go for the for the Outlander. Nice. Good choice. Good choice. So you've made it through nearly to the end. So we've got five quick fire questions coming up. And I think I know the answer to the first one. So question number one, fiction or nonfiction? fiction do you ever read any non-fiction not really I think because I write fiction I tend to still read that because I, it, it kind of gives me ideas I look it always gives me new things when I'm reading it so I think I'll still go for I do I have got more biographies if I read non-fiction um like Julie Walters or that sort of thing things that are funny um but yeah I tend to stick to fiction oh, okay and question number two how many books do you read in a, a week, a year, a month? Um, I don't read as much as I should because I'm always writing or yeah. on social Backing. media trying to work. Yeah, I tend to read before I go to bed at night. Um, I would say I probably read maybe maybe one book a month, maybe. Mm. That's, mm. that's a very respectful amount of reading, especially when I think yeah. about how busy you must be with 
writing, working, yeah. six sons, grandchildren. Oh, dread, yeah. I dread to I see. Do, I do try. Well, I like to keep up to see what's current. You know, like um, I'm trying to think of the book that not long ago. Is it Olympia? Somebody is feeling fine. I, you know, I was, well, I'm Ellen trying Oliphant to is feeling fine. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Girl on a train. All the, I try to read all those sort of things. So I'm up with the current what's going on. They're yeah. not necessarily my favourite books, but I like to know because I like to see how the writing changes. What's what people are enjoying reading at the time, the writing styles, what's popular. So I'm kind of still working, if you like, even when I'm reading. Yeah. I'm still looking at the phrasing. I'm looking at how things have come, looking at the plot lines. So even though it's supposed to be relaxing, I'm actually still, my brain's still taking it all in to see what, what's working and how I can maybe use that later in a different way to something I may want to write later on. That's actually a very clever way of thinking about it. I hadn't thought about it like that, but yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, it's not necessarily yeah. your preferred genre, but it means that you can see what other people are enjoying. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. The question number... And you do pick up things. Hmm? Sorry? You do, yeah, you do pick up things that way. And yeah. definitely, like, all the modern terminology, what people are into, you know, what they're watching on the TV or what they're wearing, the things that, are, you know, that I'll pick up on because you, you've got to keep yourself up there. And it's so easy to procrastinate and end up being in a little time capsule of yourself. So even though I like those older books, I still read a lot of modern day stuff. That's, you know, and you have to, to you've got to keep up with the times because if you don't as a writer, you will end up putting something in and they'll just look at it and go, oh God, 1950s stuff. Or this is just so out of date. You know, this, this writing's old fashioned. So that's why you really do need to keep up with the, what, what's current at the moment. Yeah, no, I completely agree. It's a really clever way of looking at it. So question number three, what's your favourite place to read? Oh, favourite place to read is definitely in the conservatory because I've got a nice big round chair that's dead snuggly that I can put my feet up. So if I've got that perfect place, I like to have a nice cup of coffee in my chair with my book in the conservatory, looking out on the garden with nobody to bother me. That's just heaven nice yeah that does sound really nice uh yeah question number four i know you're self-published but do you have a favorite bookshop oh well thing is i have been traditionally published as well but that was like short stories and things because i did that as a a a proof somebody once said to me well you're only um self um self-published and I, i took that quite as a slight because i hadn't really tried to be published it's just the route that i'd gone down so i thought well i'm not giving anyone any of my books at the moment so i'll try a short story so my short story got traditionally published um it was only on kindle but it's still traditionally published by a publisher um and i've forgotten the question that you've asked me now that you just said that what was the question what's your favorite bookshop? oh so bookshop so i'd oh again see we've got where i live we've got an amazing little bookshop called um called the rabbit hole in brig Mm. that's fantastic that's so so lovely it's just bright and you go in there they're so friendly it's got lovely lovely colors of all children's books and novels and things i love that for a little tiny little shop independent shop of course i love waterstones too Mm. that's one of my favorite stuff they've been very supportive in the past when i've been doing my book signings and things so yeah I, i like my little independent one because i just think they need that but also I love the variety that they've got that you go in there and you don't know what's on the shelves yeah. because, you know, they've picked, they picked every book themselves Um, beautiful quality, beautiful colours. And so, yeah, I'd say the rabbit hole in Brig. So everyone's got to now go and Google and find <laughs> the rabbit hole in Brig. 
Yeah, and I'll put a link to them down in the show notes. So the last question of the entire podcast, what book are you most looking forward to reading next? Oh, now that's a good question. I'm trying to think now. What I wanted to read um, the new Stephanie Myers one um, oh. from Edward Cullen's point of view. Mm. I think yeah. that actually came out last year, but but it's apparently it's like a massively huge volume of a book. Is it? So I really need, I yeah. So I need to sort of be on holiday or somewhere that I can sit down and read that because yes. at the moment I tend to read books obviously that aren't quite so long because I haven't got the time um but yeah I can't remember what it's called now um but that's the book the new one I can't think I don't know what it's called do you want me to have a quick look see if I can find out what it's called uh, so, um, let me have a look. yeah I mean if you want to if not I can always edit it in <laughs> yeah can you edit it in later yeah I'll edit so, um, um have a look yeah if you can have a look and just say oh is it this yes. one I go yeah that's the one that's the one by Stephanie Myers so that's the one I'm looking because it's, it's massive it really is a yeah. chunky thing that's the one I'm going to to read next how interesting okay well we've reached the end of the podcast so thank you so much for coming on and as we touched on before it's uh currently Thursday your book the Hoglets a very hoglety Christmas no it's Hoglets Christmas magic I'll start that again I'll edit that change it as we touched on, today is Thursday and your book is coming up on Saturday, Hoglet's Christmas Magic. And by the time this episode comes out, it will have been out for two days. So I hope everyone that's listening is rushing out to buy it. And if they wanted to buy it, if they wanted to hear more about you and your work, where can they get in touch with you? Okay, so obviously the book, um, you can order it through Waterstones and Amazon. It's on Kobo, it's on Google Play. It should be on, you know, get it in any of the major bookshops. Um, if you want to talk to me or contact me, I've got my own website, which is lynettewebsiteblog.com. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you go onto Google and just type in my name, all my information should come where I am on Twitter or Facebook. So you can easily find me if you just type my name in, Lynette Creswell, it should come up. Um Please, if you've got any questions about the book, um, I just want to just, if that's okay, just read the back of the blurb yeah, while course. I'm on the podcast. Is that okay? Yeah. So just so that everyone knows what the book is about. Of course. So it's it's Christmas Eve with the Hoglets. Uh, Prickles and Primrose are excited. That is until they start to decorate the Christmas tree and discover the star at the top has shattered. Determined not to be defeated, the brave Hoglets set out into the woods to seek a new star. Who do they stumble across instead? And where will their adventure take them? But what about the star? If you enjoy stories like Winnie the Pooh, you'll fall in love with Prickles and Primrose, the Hoglets from Briarwood. So that's the little blurb. That sounds lovely and very Christmassy. Very Um, Christmassy, even though it is August. Well, no, I think you need, I see why you've released it now. So people will know about it by the time it gets to Christmas. Because I always find it's, it's, it's August, September, then you blink and it's Christmas. Exactly. And Christmas books have only got a very short shell life because obviously Christmas is only like three, is it three months away, three or four months away. And that's the difference. Yeah. Whereas a novel, it's got all year. A Christmas yeah. has it, so you can't wait until like the week before Christmas to start saying, "Oh, look at this book," you know, because by that time most people have got their Christmas presents. So you need to start early to let people know that it's out and available, so that then they go, "Oh, yeah, okay, I might buy that in September or October, or get it for the kids, whatever." You know, you've got to when you look at promoting and marketing, you have to look at realistic time skills for everyone, not just yourself, but for also for the readers. 
yeah completely agree no that sounds great and um congratulations on it good luck with everything i hope it goes really well oh, thank, thank you so much you. for coming on it's been a pleasure and thank you so much for inviting me phoebe i really enjoyed today Thank <laughs> you.